Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Would you pray with me? Lord, in the presence of your Holy Spirit, we magnify you. And we open our hearts to your work in our lives so that when we leave this experience, we leave different, having had an encounter with Almighty God and having been transformed by it. And so now, Lord, in the presence of your Holy Spirit, we turn to your Holy Word and pray that you would do work in us that is utterly transformative, that you would renew our minds, and that you would compel us to trust you enough to follow you wherever you would lead us. And so, Lord, yet again, we surrender ourselves to you, proclaiming that you are God and we are not. Speak to our hearts. Make us different. In Jesus' name, amen. I never really imagined that God would do much of anything with me. Maybe you felt that way before. I never imagined that, that God would use me in his kingdom in any real way because I knew what was going on inside of here and inside of here, and how could God use somebody who had what was going on inside of here and inside of here to do anything out there? Well, God's bigger. He's bigger than our sin. He's bigger than our shortcomings. He's bigger than what we think he might do in us. And he's bigger than what we think he might do in others. Have you ever looked at somebody and thought, there's no way that God could use that individual in his kingdom? You ever thought that? I'll confess I have. Maybe you have too. But you know, when we go back through the Bible and we look at the people that God has used not just to do things that were important in their time, but that God has used to transform human history, quite frankly, we wouldn't have picked them either. I mean, think of, think of Abraham. He came from a family that worshiped other gods, and God called him. Think of Jacob. His name means tricky one. His very name means that he's deceptive. Think about Joseph. He didn't know how to keep his mouth shut about the dreams God had put in his heart, and so he went and told all his brothers and his daddy that they would all bow down to him. His brother sold him into slavery. Think about Moses. Moses was raised in luxury, disdained by his own people, and then became a fugitive from justice because of a very true murder charge. And he spent four decades tending sheep in the wilderness. David. David wasn't even invited by his own father to the king anointing party. All his brothers were invited, but David wasn't invited. Solomon was conceived in a marriage that started in adultery. That had resulted in the death of his mama's first husband by the hand of his mama's new husband. John the Baptist was a weirdo. Peter was a fisherman with an attitude problem. Matthew was a tax collector who had left his people to make real good money working for Rome. And he did that by taking money from his own people. Saul of Tarsus was a religious terrorist. 
Timothy was a crybaby with a weak stomach who came from a family of questionable origin from a city that wasn't real good to the gospel. So if we look at the people that God has used, and, and some of them have, have books in the Bible named after them, we wouldn't have picked them. We would never have picked Abraham to become the father of monotheism. And all the three great monotheistic religions of the world want to claim Abraham. We would never have picked Jacob to be named Israel because he strives with God and that we would still be talking about that name, Israel, today. We would never have picked Joseph to spare the known world from a famine and to become the second most important person in all of Egypt and, frankly, in all of the world. We would never have picked Moses to be God's instrument to go into the place from which he was a fugitive and be used by the hand of God to lead God's people out of captivity. We wouldn't have picked David to be the greatest king the world has ever known. We wouldn't have picked Solomon to, to be filled with such wisdom and splendor. We wouldn't have picked John the Baptist to be the one that baptized Jesus. We wouldn't have picked Peter to be the mouthpiece of the disciples. We wouldn't have picked Matthew to write what we have as the first gospel in the New Testament and to show us all the ways in which Jesus fulfills all the, the promises of God in the Old Testament. We wouldn't have picked Paul to write much of the New Testament and to take the gospel into Europe. And we wouldn't have picked Timothy either. We wouldn't have picked Timothy to accompany Paul and then to become active in churches at Corinth and Thessalonica and Philippi and then to pastor and provide leadership to the influential and remarkably difficult church at Ephesus. We wouldn't have picked any of them. So if our record of picking people that God might use is that bad, then who are we to tell God who he might use today, including ourselves? I can remember sitting in the choir at the Come On Presbyterian Church, and the choir sat off to the side before the building was functionally destroyed by the, by the uh, hailstorm back in the early 90s. And I can remember looking up at the preacher as he delivered his sermon thinking, what a terrible life to live. My goodness. That guy has to write a paper and deliver a speech every week. Who would ever want to do that? So... I say that just to say, watch out, God might use you in a way that might be surprising to you. He did that with Timothy. I want to invite you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 16. We're going to talk about Timothy today, and we're going to see some of Timothy's frailty, some of the things that should have held him back from being used by God, but God was bigger than Timothy's frailties, and God used Timothy in amazing ways. You know, along the way, as we look at Timothy's stories, we, we just might learn that God is bigger than our frailties, too. And if, like Timothy, we'll surrender ourselves to his will, first repenting of our sin and placing faith in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation, but then saying, Lord, be Lord of my life, I'll, I'll do whatever you want, then God might just use us in remarkable ways, too. Today's message is themed as follows. Timothy decided to follow Jesus and his life was transformed. Timothy decided to follow Jesus, and his life was transformed. We're going to Acts chapter 16, just five verses today. 
And this passage is really kind of the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. He's already had his first missionary journey. They've already had the Jerusalem council that's recorded in Acts 15. And when we come to Acts chapter 16, Paul and Barnabas, who traveled together on the first missionary journey, have had a sharp disagreement over John Mark, who left them during the first missionary journey. Uh, And Barnabas wanted John Mark to go with them again. Paul said no. So Barnabas took John Mark and went to Cyprus, and Paul grabbed Silas and said, let's go. And so they went up into Syria and Cilicia, and in Acts chapter 16, we're going to see Paul and Silas come back into really cities of Galatia. When when you read the book to the Galatians, we're talking about Derbe and Lystra and Iconium. These are the cities. This is where Timothy is from. So when you read Galatians, you're, you're reading about a letter, or you're reading a letter written to Timothy's people, really. Um, so we're going to see Paul and Silas go in there, and, and, and here's the thing. This is a difficult journey for Paul, because the last time he was at Lystra, he was stoned and left for dead. In fact, some people believe he actually did die and the Lord raised him from the dead. The Bible doesn't say that, but we do know that he was stoned at Lystra and he was left there for dead. Now, does that sound like a place you want to go back to? To a place where you were stoned and left for dead? Well, Paul, as he was led by the Holy Spirit, absolutely felt called to go back there. So Acts chapter 16, if you're in the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 924, and we are going to see God's hand in the life of Timothy. Luke, the physician, records this as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. All right, stop there. Your first point today is this. Timothy followed Jesus to a new horizon. Timothy followed Jesus to a new horizon. Now, the city that Timothy was from was difficult in that Paul had come on his first missionary journey to Pisidian Antioch, and he had spoken there. And there were several Jews who believed the gospel, but there were also several non-believing Jews who were pretty angry at Paul and Barnabas for being there. And they had stirred up the Gentiles and stirred up many of the Jews to oppose them. And so they left there, and they came down into Derbe, into Lystra, into Iconium. So they went from Pisidian Antioch into Iconium and then came into Lystra. And when they got to Lystra, the power of God was revealed from them as there was a man who had been unable to walk since birth. And God used Paul to heal him. He got up. And so the people who were Gentiles began calling Paul Hermes and Barnabas Zeus because those were the gods that they worshipped and and they they saw that that something supernatural had happened to this man and so they started to worship Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Barnabas said no 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 we no we, we're just dudes we're just like you don't worship us well as that was happening Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and they stirred up the crowds against Paul and that's when Paul was stoned and left for dead But the disciples gathered around him, and then Paul got up and went to Derbe, and there he made many disciples. And then before he came back to Antioch on that first missionary journey, he went back to this town that had stoned him and left him for dead. Well, now in Acts chapter 16, he's there again. Some time has passed. 
And while Paul was there in these cities of Galatia, what did he do? He preached Jesus. The people who believed became the church. That's what a church is. It's not a building. It's the people who believe in Jesus. So the people who believed became the church. And Paul is coming back to visit these churches that began as a result of the first missionary journey. Well, there's a young man there named Timothy. Timothy comes from good stock, kind of. We know he's got a grandmother who is deeply faithful. He's got a mom who is deeply faithful. They come from Jewish roots and apparently were part of the, the miraculous work of people coming to Christ during the first missionary journey. Well, at some point between the first missionary journey and the second missionary journey, Timothy has come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he's spoken of well by the people but he's spoken of well with a bit of an asterisk. And you can see it in these verses we just read. His mother was Jewish, a believer in Jesus, but his father. Now, we can stop there, and we can recognize that that was a hindrance to Timothy's life. We don't even have to fill in the blank of what came after but his father, do we? Because what Luke just communicated to us as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit is there was a dynamic in the family that wasn't great. Timothy had a faithful mom, and he had a faithful grandma, but his father. What you have here is a Gentile man married to a Jewish woman. This Jewish woman and her mama have come to faith in Jesus Christ, but his father is still holding out. So can you imagine what the household had to have been like? Was there a little tension there? We're going to learn that Timothy hadn't been circumcised. And when you're a Jewish woman and you have a baby boy, what do you do on the eighth day with your baby boy? You have him circumcised. But Timothy hadn't been circumcised. And that leads me to infer that there was probably a conversation that went on between dad and mom, and it probably went something like this. You know what? You can take him to the synagogue if you want, but you're not going to circumcise him. He can be kind of Jewish, but he's not going all the way. You say, well, I can't believe something like that would happen. Oh, listen. You ever seen parents fight over their kids' baptism? I have. I've been called to court to testify in family court over a child's baptism. Mm-hmm. So can it get messy when you're approaching life in two completely different ways? Yes. That's why the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. If you're a Christian, marry a Christian. That's the only kind of wedding I will do, a Christian groom and a Christian bride. If, if that's not it, then I'm not it. I'm not what you need. Because the Bible says do not be unequally yoked. Can you imagine how difficult it was in their household? You can take him to the synagogue, but don't you, don't you circumcise that boy. How difficult. And the thing about it was everybody knew. Everybody knew Timothy's story. Even before Timothy knew his own story. They knew the sort of family background he had. They knew the sort of difficulties he had. And nevertheless, he was spoken of well. I can only imagine that they looked at Timothy and said, you know, despite all of the obstacles that he has to face, he's a good boy. He's doing pretty good. And then Paul comes along. 
And he sees something in Timothy that goes far beyond what those in the cities around him can see. He sees the hand of God on Timothy. And although Timothy does have some things that are holding him back, Paul understands that God's ability far exceeds whatever might be holding Timothy back. And so Paul notices something in him, and Paul wants him to go with him. And so Timothy follows Jesus to a new horizon. I can pretty much promise you that Timothy never dreamed that one day he would be influential in the churches that I just mentioned, Corinth and Philippi and Thessalonica. I can promise you that Timothy never dreamed that he would be influential in a church at Ephesus, this phenomenally important city. And yet God knew that was going to be the case. So what was Timothy's job? His job was to trust Jesus enough to follow him. So that when Paul and Silas came by and Paul said, I want you to go with me, Timothy said, okay. Now, this is getting ready to, um, to become kind of difficult <laughs> for Timothy. And you'll see why in just a second. But, but I do want to tell you this. God is less interested in where we come from than where he's taking us. God is less interested in where we come from than he is in where he's taking us. And it really doesn't matter what your background is. If you will fix your eyes on Jesus and follow him, he'll take you to places you never dreamed. So now let's look at verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Our second point. Timothy followed Jesus to a new mentor. Timothy followed Jesus to a new mentor. Now listen, Paul and Silas have left the Jerusalem council, and part of what they're doing is delivering the news of the Jerusalem council to all these churches that are filled with Gentiles. And the question that they asked at the Jerusalem council was, hey, all these Gentiles who are coming to faith in Jesus, do they have to become Jewish before they can be Gentile? In other words, do they have to be circumcised to be Christians? And the ruling at the Jerusalem council, this first great church council, was that no, they did not have to be circumcised to become Christians. And so Paul and Silas are delivering this message to these churches. So why then would Paul take Timothy to go with him to deliver the news that the Gentiles don't have to be circumcised, and the first thing he does is circumcise him? Well, because remember, Timothy came from a Jewish mom, and everybody knew it. And where did Paul go first? If there was a Jewish synagogue, that's where he went first. And he knew that this would be a hindrance to their ministry, to have some uncircumcised Jew. See, we're just flaunting this in the face of all of the history going all the way back to Genesis chapter 17 and the covenant of circumcision that God gave to Abraham. And so, Paul took Timothy and circumcised him. Again, not an easy conversation to have. And yet, Timothy was willing to trust and follow Jesus. 
And that meant taking this step of faith, and so he took it. And then he accompanied Paul to go to these churches. Paul became very important in Timothy's life. You remember that Luke had recorded that Timothy had a wonderful mom but his father? Do you remember that? Well, guess what? God is going to fill the void in Timothy's life. And he's going to do it with a man who doesn't have any biological children. He's going to do it with Saul of Tarsus, whom we know as the Apostle Paul. Paul regarded Timothy as his child. In both letters to Timothy, First and Second Timothy, Paul begins in chapter 1, verse 2 of both letters. In 1 Timothy, he says, To Timothy, my true child in the faith. In 2 Timothy, he says, To Timothy, my beloved child. Listen to what he wrote to the church at Corinth. Paul took this role very seriously. This is 1 Corinthians 4, verses 14 through 17. He said, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That's why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Paul had written to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 2.11. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul didn't see himself as just a fellow believer, but he saw somebody who was charged with pouring his life into those who were coming behind him. And he did that with so many. But he did that in a special way with a few, people like Silas and Titus and Timothy. He poured himself in. When Paul was writing to the church at Philippi, he said in chapter 2, verses 19 through 24, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I, may, I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Timothy didn't have a great dad in the flesh, and God made up for it by giving him Paul. I don't know what your relationship with your dad in the flesh is. Maybe it was great. Maybe it was terrible. Maybe it was non-existent. But whatever the case may be, I want you to know that God loves you, and God can provide for you that sort of fatherly mentor to fill that void. He did that for Timothy, and he does it for us too. And, and sometimes it's just to come alongside a wonderful father, because how many of you have found that you went through a phase where you listened to others more than you listened to your own parents? Anybody? I'm living that life now from the other side. And I am deeply grateful for the coaches and teachers, the Sunday school teachers, the youth pastor. I am deeply grateful for the men and women who are speaking into my son's life right now. 
and my daughter. It's vital. Watch what God did. Verse 4. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. Our third point, Timothy followed Jesus to a new mission. He followed Jesus to a new mission. He went to all these cities. Did you know Timothy's listed as really a co-author of several of Paul's letters? The letter to 2 Corinthians, the letter to the Philippians, the letter to the Colossians, both 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and Philemon. Paul says, Paul and Timothy. How about that? So he was led to a new mission. Because in 2 Timothy 2, 2, Paul would say, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He was called to a new mission to accompany Paul, but he was called to a new mission that would go beyond his time with Paul. And in fact, he was called to a new mission that would go beyond his own lifetime. And it's the same mission that you and I are called to, to trust and follow Jesus and to help others do the same who can help others do the same, who can help others do the same, who can help others do the same. What happened when Timothy did that? Well, the same thing that will happen if we do that. Verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Our fourth and final point, Timothy followed Jesus to a new meaning. If you go and you read through First and Second Timothy, you're going you're gonna to see some things about Timothy. Paul would say in 2 Timothy 1, 3, and 4, I thank my God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. In 1 Timothy 5.23, Paul had said, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Timothy could be a sickly little thing who had a father who wasn't that great who apparently could moisten his cheeks with tears occasionally. And yet, he was used of God to do amazing things, such that we're still talking about him a couple thousand years later, such that some of us are going to go to the places where he ministered a couple thousand years later. So if you and I are that bad at judging whom God might use, including ourselves, maybe we would all do well to say, God, you do the choosing, you do the calling, you do the equipping, and I pray for willing disciples who will trust you enough to follow you into that calling. And, Lord, I pray that you would soften my own heart so that when I look at myself and say, there's no way God could use me, I could say, no, Lord, you're able to overcome all my frailties. So I trust you. I surrender to you. And I will follow you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.